We'll be joined by Dale Scott, former MLB umpire and crew chief in a few minutes. Bo Bichette at 11.30. And, um, well, we got tickets to give away to see the Jays and Rays on September 13th. We've been doing that all year long, giving you Blue Jays tickets on uh, Blair and Barker. And uh, there's a catch, though. Mm. See what I did there? Catch? Uh, I got you. There's a catch, though, because we give you a trivia question. You've got to text the correct answer to our daily question to 595.90. And uh, yesterday we asked you, the first time the Rays made the World Series was in 2008. What former Blue Jay led the Rays in batting average by a starting position player that season? The answer was Deonor Navarro, who hit 295 and 470 plate appearances. Nope. I would not have gotten that. No chance. Only because, oddly enough, I just, former Blue Jay, I understand Deonor Navarro, was, but former Blue Jay, for some reason, Deonor Navarro doesn't register. Anyhow, that was the correct, correct answer. Today's question's also got a little Blue Jay's angle to it. Uh, and today's question, as I mentioned, is to win tickets to see the Jays and Rays at the Rogers Center on Tuesday, September 13th. That's game one of the doubleheader. So it's the first game of the doubleheader. Oof. You have to get your ass out for the second that's game. Five, that's five games in four days? Yeah, something like that. Whoa. Biggest series of the year. You think other so? Other than this series. And then other than the series against. <laughs> and that, so they're all. Series, all from here on. Series, <laughs> other than that series. Anyhow, 1998 was the Rays' first season. And actually, they were called the Devil Rays then. Huh. They dropped the name Devil Rays because they got pushback from religious groups in Florida. Sure. True story. Okay. 1998 was the Rays' first season. Which former Blue Jay led the Rays in home runs and RBI that season? Give him a I hint. Give him a hint. No. Give him a hint. No. It's an easy hint. The hint is Say this. It. If you can't get this, it's a crime. <laughs> I see what you did if there. If you can't get hey. this, if you can't answer this question, it's a crime. It's a crime against baseball. Well done, Jeff. <laughs> It's a crime against baseball well, if well you can't done. get this question. 1998 was the Rays' first season. Which former, no, you didn't need the Don't dog bark. No. Which former Blue Jay led the I Rays would... in home runs and RBI that season? Text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. I... See rules at sportsnet.ca. I wanted you to say he's seven away. He was seven away from 500. That's now that would really give it away. No, the I Barkin think, didn't. Well, because oh, of his, that, his mean, nickname. I mean, yeah. His nickname. Yeah, it's a crime. Yeah, crime. <laughs> I mean, Anyhow. good for you. You're in a good mood today, Ed. I why? Wonder why? I, I don't know. I don't know. Huh. Oh, maybe it's because when I woke up today, I found out I was under a warning. I had to be. I had to be in a good mood today. That's well, a segue I'm looking for. For our next guest. That didn't work. Dale didn't. Scott, former MLB Ooh. umpire, former MLB crew chief, joins us in Blair and Barker. Dale, thanks so much for uh, joining us. Uh, I guess this is like, what, the third time, third umpire crisis we've had you on for this year. <laughs> so we, we we do appreciate your... We do you, love you. We, we, we appreciate so you know. We appreciate your uh, your insight here. Um, no, all, all kidding aside, though, uh, I mean... You know, we saw what the incident yesterday between the Orioles and the Jays. And, you know, after the game, you know, Brian Baker said, I probably shouldn't have done that. And the Jays, yeah, I mean, I, I, you got the impression that everybody kind of understood what happened. But um, there was a warning issued by Jeff Nelson uh, before the game, the game resumed. And a couple of questions I had for you. One, what, as a crew chief, as an umpire, when do you issue a warning? 
What are the guidelines? And secondly, what is the protocol in terms of whether or not you issue a warning for the subsequent game, for the next game? Well, first of all, uh, thanks for having me, guys. And I, I'd like to issue a warning on that segue you did, okay. uh, which was, was a tad bit shaky. But yeah, uh, <laughs> that's true. Uh, but, but besides that, I'll let that go. Um, uh, we issue it now. Anytime, anytime the bench is clear like that, you're going to issue a warning. Uh, that's automatic uh, if one hasn't been issued already, and and that's a whole different thing. But yeah, once they clear like that, like they did last night. Um, warnings are going to be out because uh, that's just standard protocol. Um, it, and as far as issuing a warning before a game, that's very, very rare. Um, it, what, it can happen, and it's within the rules to do that. But, uh, you know, when warnings are out, it, it, it does handcuff uh, the umpire a little bit and also handcuffs the pitchers because if they you get a guy that's trying to work inside or something and he gets, you know, one gets away a little bit and hits a guy. Everybody wants, you know, everybody's going to be screaming, Oh, you got to reject him. You got to reject him. Mm-hmm. The umpire has to figure out if there's intent just because someone gets hit after a warning does not automatically mean someone's ejected. Uh, but that's a tricky thing, right? I mean, that means I, I, as an umpire have to try to figure out his intent. Did he really try to do that? Which would mean the ejection or did that just get away from him? And, and it wasn't intentional and thus I'm not going to eject him. So, uh, uh, to start a game with a warning, very, very rare. It can happen, but I, I and I seriously doubt that that's going to happen. If, it, if uh, with the game today, yeah. Okay. So if if there is no warning issued, though, is is it? I mean, I would think it would be human nature, Dale, that even if a warning isn't issued, I've got the plate in this game. I'm aware of what happened last night. Mm-hmm. I was on the field. Yeah, human yeah, nature absolutely. would be your 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 antenna going to be up, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. No, their their antenna their antenna is up, and and quite frankly, it, it, it you know it may have been up before the game with the heads up program that MLB has, and that's that's a program where uh, let's say the last time these two clubs met, Jeff Nelson's crew had nothing to do with it; it was somebody else. And let's say they had some maybe not an injection. Let's say they had some words uh, on a hard slide or on a on a on a, on a hit by a pitch or something um, that would go into. Uh, the report by that crew. So the next crew that has those two clubs playing again will get a heads up and say, hey, by the way, on this state they play, there were some words exchanged just to give the guys a little heads up because you're going in uh, uh, unaware, so to speak. If I'm going in, I didn't know they had words two weeks ago, and now all of a sudden somebody gets you know thrown at, and I'm, I'm thinking, why is this happening? You know, I mean, there's nothing in this game that would say this should be happening and, and, you know, it can catch an umpire off guard. So they have a heads up program, but as far as today, absolutely their antennas up. Dale, as a crew chief, did you ever watch video of the next guy throwing? Cause Alec Manoa, you know, it's been known that he, that two seamer gets away a little bit and he's a guy that pitches into righties. This is sort of what you've been talking about here is you got to be able to feel the room a little, right? You got to know that something's not intended. Court awareness. But a guy, absolutely, field awareness. Absolutely, field awareness. A, guy, a guy has to know, right? And that is, for me anyway, falls on the crew chief to know, you know, how a guy's throwing, how, what he's trying to do to get certain guys out, to just know better is sort of the kind of thing. Have you ever watched video to know what a guy's throwing, how he's throwing, and how he's been throwing? Not not really watching video, but it's uh, it's one of those things that uh, you know it, it, through experience, through talking to other guys and stuff, you 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 uh, you're just you're just aware that it maybe you know a certain guy does like to work that inside on on certain hitters or whatever. Um, you know, th- things that we look for we, we call the red flags. You know, throughout a game, 
And if there's something that's, you know, if there's a, let's say the second base umpire hears uh, after a, a steal play out and, and there's some conversation that's not necessarily positive mm-hmm. between the fielder and the, and the runner. He notes that, you know, in between anything, he may go into the, they tell the, tell the plate umpire, hey, uh, uh, so-and-so and so-and-so has some words. Just, just be, just be aware, just, just, you know, a heads up. Uh, so down the road in this, in this game, if, if, if that, if, you know, runner who they thought slid in hard or whatever, uh, all of a sudden there's a up and tight, you know, you might, you know, you know, you're aware of it. It's not going to catch you by surprise. And, and it's communication between the crew. Obviously the, if the crew chief doesn't have the plate, you're, you're going to let him know also, but everybody, everybody just, uh, is you know there's 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 you know four guys out there there's eight pairs or, or four pairs of eyes um, uh, just and ears you know listening and watching because uh, the plate umpire may not catch everything that's happening uh, the little nuances here and there that could cause down the down the road later in that game uh, an issue. Uh, Jeff was getting it behind the plate from both teams a lot last night. If you're behind the plate yeah. calling calling balls and strikes and you're getting it from both teams. Does that make you feel like you need to adjust your strike zones a little bit, or you're just like deal with it and I am what I am? Or is it one of those things where, boy, if both sides are pissed off at me, I must be doing a good job? Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like politics. You exactly. Get something yeah. and both sides don't like it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably did something right. right. Uh, but you know, you're, you're, you know, first of all, guys, here we are. What September? What? It's you know, these two teams are fighting it out for mm. wild card positioning. I mean, you're well aware uh, going into this thing. Uh, what's happening, and and so you're aware that these you know these games these games mean something for sure, and and you're going to be you know you're just kind of on alert. September's that uh, that way. You look at your schedule. If you have two teams that are completely out of it, uh, it doesn't mean you don't umpire. You still got to do your job. But when you walk into and and, and one and especially two teams are both uh, vying for a playoff spot, you're well aware going in that this is going to be very intense, and and everybody's going to be uh, you know kind of on edge so to speak as they as they play the game. And so. Uh, all these things are, are taken uh, in, in, into you know into your psyche as you as you as you work these games and and then you you talk like I said you talk between yourselves too if if, you, if there's something going on if I'm working the plate and both sides are on me well I'm, I'm going to certainly evaluate what I'm trying what I'm doing here maybe you know our, you know maybe both teams think that I'm that I'm calling strikes that are too low okay fine maybe maybe I should uh, take a double double look at that or something or maybe they're just trying to get an edge <laughs> and, and, and the pitchers are there. One, one way to, to, to help with that is, you know, you call a strike on a, a sort of like, like the catcher's up to bat, you call a strike on him and he complains to say, so, you know, so, you know, when you, when you're catching, uh, you want that to be a ball. Go, well, no, I didn't say that. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. All right. Bye. <laughs> now, now, that, now that we're clear. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now that we're, now that we're clear what a, what a strike is, uh, keep that in mind when you're behind the plate. Um, Hey, uh, we saw uh, this isn't going to be pick on Jeff Nelson day, but Jeff Nelson called Kevin Gossman for a balk in the first game of this uh, of a doubleheader. And first of all, Kevin Bossman, Kevin Gossman is yeah. I mean, every time there's a runner on base, it's you look at he, there's a lot of stuff going on, and I bounces often, a lot. He bounces mm-hmm. a lot, and I've often wondered where the line is and where the line is in there. But Jeff called him for a balk, and. The very next pitch does, as far as we could tell, does the same thing. Um, explain why, and I know you can't get into Jeff Nelson's head necessarily, but why would you call a Bach there when this is just kind of what Kevin Gossman's always done? And my concern about this was, okay, you talked about the heads-up report. 
does Jeff Nelson put in that game report? Oh, by the way, Kevin Gossman was called for a box. So if I'm, you know, the crew chief or the, the umpire the next the next time Kevin Gossman's got to start, I'm looking at the heads up saying, wow, he was called for a box the last time. I better keep an eye on that. Well, you know, I didn't, I don't, I haven't seen the movie you're talking about or, or what was going on there. I can say in general terms, uh, anytime we see uh, something of a pitcher, either a starter or a reliever, that uh, maybe is, uh, you know, borderline Bach or maybe is uh, something that's kind of out of the ordinary, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a Bach, but it, it just looks weird. Um, you may, uh, again, tell uh, the office, just say this, uh, this uh, left-hander on this, you know, blah, 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 take a look at this. Um, I thought it was, uh, you know, a Bach, or I, I think it's, it's right on the edge. And, and it, it's kind of a, a way to get a clarification. You know, when you have a guy that seems to do the same thing every time, and then, you know, all of a sudden, boom, there's a Bach. You think, well, what, you know, what was that all about? Um, it's hard to, for me to, you know, explain or, or, or uh, talk about something I'm not sure you're talking, you know, I haven't seen. But in general terms, uh, yes, there is. There, if there's a goofy kind of thing that, 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 that can catch a guy off guard, they might ask uh, just to look at the video. Jeff, obviously, in his mind, saw something to call a Bach. You know, that's, uh, uh, you know, we always say at the umpire school when we were being taught, they see a Bach, call a Bach. It doesn't matter which umpire sees it. If you see one, call one. Um, and, uh, for whatever reason, Jeff Jeff did. Um, if it looks like it was the same motion or the same thing that has, that was done before, uh, um, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, 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 it maybe it wasn't necessarily on what you thought it was. Maybe it was uh, something else. But of course, it's hard for me to explain something when I haven't I haven't looked yeah. at it. Dale, if an everyday catcher walked up to you and said, "Dale, explain to me, give me your definition of the block the plate rule," what would you say to him? <laughs> I would say call the attorneys. <laughs> let, let, let me let me let me tell you something, guys. When that when that uh, rule came out, the year I, I don't remember what year it was, but when that rule came out, it was right toward the end of my career. But uh, I remember at, after our meetings uh, with it, uh, walking out of that room, we were more confused than ever. And and one of the things that one of the things that was said to us then was because we have replay is your number one job is, is the play, the tag or no tag or, you know, touching the plate. That's your number one priority. If there's a complaint about a, a you know, if you don't, if you're not sure on a, on a blocking of the plate uh, type thing uh, and, and, you know, the other team, you know, the team complains, well, then go to replay, let replay call that because you have enough on your plate just to get the play. Um, and so that's what your focus is. And, and if, you know, if someone comes out and says, hey, you know, we think there's an uh, infraction there by the catcher, well, then we'll go to replay and talk about it. To, to tell you what the rule is, guys, it's a very confusing, uh, it's a very confusing rule. Um, one of the complaints that umpires have had for years, and now it's uh, even more, is that um, these things are a lot of times, like I said, written by attorneys. They're written mm-hmm. by people that aren't on the field that haven't played. And, and I don't know if they necessarily have a real good feel of the game. Okay. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a little, um, disheartening sometimes when you get these rules and, and, and these interpretations and you look at them and you just go, well, that's, 
that sounds good academically. <laughs> Try to go out on the field and, and tell us how this is supposed to be, uh, you know, adapted. And so uh, I, I'm not trying to, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to uh, mm-hmm. get, out, get out of this. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. And plus, I haven't been there in the last few years, sure. so they may have tweaked the rule and, and that kind of stuff. So. No, but it's it's interesting hearing you say that uh, the umpires are told their responsibility is get the out, you know, the tag, no tag, get that right. And then if yeah. it, it I mean that makes a certain amount of sense because one of the one of the concerns I have anytime a rule is changed is you, you just you keep pile it's like anything else you keep piling stuff on people on human beings yeah. and you know now you're asking them to evaluate seven things in this in a split second instead of five things it's it's not easy it's just not easy it's not easy it's not easy and 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 and, and for you to kind of interpret what the catcher is doing frankly you have to take your eye off the ball and that's that's, that's right that's the, that's the last thing an umpire wants to do yeah. so uh so so yeah so you you rely on replay to help you with that type of play um unless it's so obvious you can you call it on the field but you know frankly your number one priority is just your play and not and 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 you know tag no tag did he hit the plate did he not hit the plate and we'll let uh if if it gets to that we'll re- let replay uh you know dissect everything else awesome dale really good of you to join us today terrific insight as always thanks so much thank you dale thanks guys take care it's dale scott former mlb umpire mlb crew chief and, that, and that's there you go that that is that to me is the one part of the play that makes sense. It does. The fact that worry about tag or no tag. Simplify it. Touch the plate or don't touch mm-hmm. the plate. And because Dale's point is right. If you are looking at the if you're looking at the catcher trying to figure out whether sure. or not he's given a lane, you're not watching the ball. And I want the umpire Some to would watch say the they ball. They can't see the ball anyway. <laughs> no, but I mean that's that that makes I had to say it. that makes that makes a lot of oh, it does that makes absolutely. a lot of sense. It, it absolutely sense. does. You follow the ball bouncing, right? But when it's coming in to, to the yeah. catcher, you're following it. If it's bouncing, you're watching the bounce and all those things. Then you're watching the tag. You don't worry about that other part of it. See, it I makes wonder, it, even if an umpire doesn't know how to what's wrong or right, how are they going to call it on the field? They I, can't. So what uh, makes sense? I wonder if. If we have seen a time, and I can't remember the the violations. I can't remember for an umpire this year, an umpire has called a play a violation or, you know, and, and then it's gone to review and it's been overturned. Or if all the overturns have been a team requesting an overturn of a call because of, you know what I sure. mean? In other words, did the umpire, I don't know if an umpire, on the, how many times an umpire on the field calls obstruction versus the number of times obstruction is called as a result of a as as a result of the video review but it is it is interesting and i and i also say this that i was it was good hearing dale talk about the warning because the number of people who who still believe that if a warning's issued the next time a ball is thrown inside the pitcher's automatically ejected that's just not the case sure that's not the case but it could be it's the umpire's interpretation. I, I right? would I would hope the optics of the way Jeff Nelson has handled the last couple of days that he would do his homework enough to know how Alec Manoa throws. That that for me, I know what Dale says, and they don't look at video and they don't look at certain pitches that guys throw, but man, 
Like, like the way you've just handled the last yeah. couple of days. Look at me, well, who I am. You would think with the warning part of it and how could today could go. I mean, I've got to tell you. And how big these games are, you would certainly think you'd do enough homework going into this thing that you would understand I, the feel of it and get what was going on. I covered Pedro Martinez when he... When he started to establish himself with the Montreal Expos and Pedro's reputation was, I mean, you know, Pedro's reputation was a guy who would intentionally throw at people. And, and it was always, it was always a running battle with umpires. And now Pedro didn't help the cause because Pedro would throw at people sure. every now and then. But that, was, but, but that was, but, but that was a different time. Right? Thing, Even back then, it was. How a many times thing. have you seen, when we showed up at work today, the the video of Alec Manoa after the game was over, sitting in the dugout with that little glossed over face look of basically wait until tomorrow. If you're one of those umpires, and that's what you're seeing, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'm trying. I'm saying, I'm saying, just do enough homework that know that a guy has to pitch in. I mean, the ball's moving all over the place. I hope I'm giving these guys the benefit of the doubt and they'll understand the optics and, and what's going on yeah. and the magnitude of the September and the Orioles. And that's I all, know that's it's all a, I'm saying. I know that's it's a visual medium and everything, but I wonder if that isn't a little bit of the hockey mentality taking over that, you know, Alec Manoa was sitting there staring, staring laser beams we, at we the know, Orioles. We know better. Really? That's silly. Pe- people that, well, people that talk about that. Really don't know what's like, going yo, on. Look at Alec Manoa. He's really, really zoned don't. in. Like, what's he going to do? Like, throw at three people and draw a line and tell Brian Baker to come out here and get him some? It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. No, what you do is you throw seven scoreless and your team wins. And that's how you I do mean, it. So I, I, know I, it, I know it looked good and everything. Yeah, and it, did. And it yeah, plays look into at the, the whole... tough guy sitting over there waiting until yeah, tomorrow. I'm not entirely yeah. certain. But I'm just saying, yeah. if you have good umpires do their homework, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. But. You're right, but oh, I just I, I know that we like to to assume that Alec Manoa was out there plotting not, not revenge. Not we, not we. Yeah, we know he, better. he may have been trying to figure out what he was going to have in the post game spread or something like that. I'm thinking, can't wait to go in and eat the lobster. Yeah, is or it crab lobster cakes. or Ball, filet? I'll be, mm. be crab cakes. Oh, I, I crab haven't cakes had steak in a while. I'm not entirely potatoes or mashed potatoes. Anyhow, so there you go. So uh, very rare instance that uh, warnings are issued. Dale, Dale gave great answers, though. So if yeah. you're wondering. There you, you, see now, you see now why, when he umpired why people actually enjoyed having Dale Scott call games. I find it interesting. That, that sounds like he would be. Made a mistake. Well, it sounds like he'd be honest with a player about the catcher walking yeah. up and asking you. I, I do no like idea. that. I do, but I do like that. I do like that line. Oh, you want to. You want to. You want me to call it a, a ball now. You didn't want me to call it a ball when you were behind the plate, right? Yeah, now you want it to be a ball. It is. It's just interesting to see if they change it, not because one team's yelling and screaming at them, but when both yeah. teams yell and scream. Because, I mean, it's a little different, right? Yeah. You know, you maybe your strike zone's a little too big. Yeah. I don't know. Although it's interesting. I noticed the the umpire, you know, that umpire scorecard thing that I follow on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, the breakdown for uh, Jeff Nelson's game last night was that it favored the Blue Jays by one and a half runs. Uh, it, and if you look at it, it's his his accuracy. It's according again according to the scorecard, the accuracy was not terrible. Um, but it's, it's the, the presentation pitches, for me. It's, it's the, the presentation, presen- and it's it and, and you know what is. else it is? It's the pit, it's the pitches you miss. Just the way it's you the pitches just the you way you too. call it. 
It's the way you act when somebody says, is that as far as you're going to go? Because you could see the conversation. I mean, people that watch baseball are smart enough to know even a catcher turns around and goes, oh, where do you have that? And it's just the way he acts. Nelson, Jeff Nelson. The, I don't know. Jeff Nelson was, on at least two occasions, was talking back to the dugout. No question. To the, one the to the Orioles the dugout. Yeah, on at least two occasions. Yeah. So, it's just the way you go about it this anyway. time of the year. Understand what's going on. Uh, Bo Bichette is just about the hottest thing out there right now. Uh, offensively, he is on an unbelievable September Crazy. roll. And it's a, you know, we were talking about, I know, I don't want to get in the whole RBI debate, but Bo Bichette's it's not a now, debate. Bo Bichette is now one RBI behind Vladdy. Not a debate. It, it's just interesting. If you look at Bo Bichette's numbers, Bo Bichette is statistically in a year where offense is down. Is having a pretty good year for a shortstop, and he's going to finish the year with a pretty good year for a shortstop. But it's like a lot of things with the Blue Jays. We talked about this, right? Just doesn't feel that way. So we'll talk to Bo Bichette about that, get his take on his 2023 se- 2022 season, 2023 maybe as well in the 2022 season, and what September holds for the Blue Jays and Bo Bichette. Bo Bichette is next. It's Blair and Barker on 590-360 and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Since the calendar has flipped to uh, September, our next guest has been on something of a roll, Ooh. to say the least. In fuego. Uh, yeah, I was... Uh, Man. Someone, uh, I think it was Blake Murphy mentioned, when I, I tweeted out that we were going to have Bo Bichette on. He said, he'll probably hit a homer off you. <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> the, way, the way things are going uh, right now, he'll probably homer off Barker and myself. Nice. Uh, all kidding aside, Bo Bichette last night in the loss to the Orioles, four for five, four runs, scored a home run, uh, a couple of RBIs. We mentioned he has really been on a roll, and we're very pleased that Bo Bichette joins us on Blair and Barker. Bo, thanks so much for your time today. Um, you know, first question, well, are you superstitious when you're on a roll like this? And if you are, we'll just let you go and say thanks for joining us this morning because I don't want to do anything to uh, I don't want to do anything to interrupt it. Yeah, um, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, no, I'm. I try to be the opposite of superstitious. So if I feel myself like wondering if I need to do the same thing before my next at bat, I'll I'll not do it on purpose. So no, not at all. But, I'm superstitious. There you go. Yeah. Well, Bo, is there one part? You know, is there one day? Is there one at bat? Is there one swing in the cage that you were like, man, right there it is. Now we go. Um. No, it really was nothing mechanical. Just uh, kind of. Mentally, just kind of trying to figure things out all year and, and uh, finally just realized that who I am is a pretty good player and I'm going to go out there and be me and compete and be aggressive and just feel good now. Yeah, John Schneider said that uh, you're locked in right now and he said maybe more than he's, he's seen you in a while. And this is a guy, look, this is a guy, John Schneider, who's seen you a lot and the numbers suggest he's right. So uh, maybe this is kind of playing off Kevin's question a bit, but... What tells you when you are quote unquote locked in and do you have almost like a checklist of things that, that, uh, that will apply? 
Um, you know, I think uh, there's a lot of things that go into it, preparation, um, you know, believing in your routines and stuff like that. But in the box, really just having no fear, um, not being afraid to chase, not being afraid to get beat by a fastball, um, and trusting in myself, trusting that I can get to pretty much any pitch that's thrown. So, uh, yeah, just going out there, a lot of confidence, no fear, um, if something negative happens, just kind of throwing it out the window. It's on to the next pitch. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things going to it, but really just having no fear to play. You went back to the uh, two-strike approach. How much has that helped you? Yeah, that's helped me a ton. Um, you know, I think it's really freed me up early in the count, too. I'm, I'm able to, to be super aggressive, look for my pitch, um, put good swings on it, not really worry about the results because I know that I compete with two strikes. Um, so yeah, it's helped a lot. What, uh, it obviously, as you said, it's helped. Why would you, what would have caused you to go away from it then? Is it just, uh, you know, just the, I mean, it's a long year. <laughs> it's a grind. Is that maybe part of it that every now and then guys kind of forget what they need to do and you, it's a process to regain that, that memory. Yeah. Um, I definitely felt like I was trying to fire myself all year, um, not really my swing, not really anything like that. Just really just trying to find myself, figure out who I was. Um, you know, I feel like sometimes you can go up there trying to be the hitter everybody wants you to be, and then you forget who you really are. So um, that was really the process for me, just kind of getting back to who I am. I'm super aggressive, and, and I'm aggressive because with two strikes I can compete and and uh, put, a, put up a good bat at bat then. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just finding myself now. You know, I, I was thinking about this before you came on and you look at the core of this team and it's like you guys are all gaining experience at the same time. And you know, this, this stuff changes, right? You know, relationships change, paychecks change, expectations mm-hmm. change. I mean, geez, the managers changed. Um, you know, you guys were a great story last year. You know, about the COVID, the border restrictions, having to play on the road, coming within a game and making the playoffs. It was like just real flavor of the month stuff for a lot of people. It, would you buy into the idea that this year reality kind of set in a little more? You know, it's nice to say that it's a grind and that it's 162 games and a marathon, not a sprint, et cetera. But that this year you guys are kind of really experiencing that for the first time? Um, You know, I think they're just different years. Um, you know, last year I know people were excited to watch us, but there was real no, there was no really expectations for us. Um Coming to this year, there's been a lot of expectations. So, I mean, at the same time, we have everything in front of us. Um, we've got 20-something games left, I think, and we've got the ability to make the playoffs. And I know that everybody's confident in the players in our locker room to, to accomplish something special. So, um, I think just different years, and I think we'll be learning something. Hopefully, we'll be learning something every single season that we play. But, uh, yeah, a lot to learn from this year, and we'll just look forward to to finish it strong. But what do you think your defensive side of your game is right now, today? Yeah, um, you know, I think it's been better. Uh, but, I mean, this year I've made a – I think I've made huge steps. So, um just like to continue to work and, and try and get better every day. But, uh, yeah, I definitely want to lock that in down the stretch for sure. Is there one big challenge? Is it maybe the backhand? Is it first move? Is it where you're lining up? Is it maybe you have to play in the shift? I know playing in the shift is – it looks simple when you're watching from afar. Is that a hard thing? Is there one 
real part of it that you go every single day you work on that and that's getting better and you like where that's at? Um, you know, I like where I'm at, honestly, with um, mechanics and things like that. Uh, you know, I think that just sometimes, you know, the confidence in the throw or the confidence in the catch, you just you need to be ready every single pitch. So I'm just working on being ready every pitch and, um, you know, attacking the game and not worrying about making mistakes, kind of just like how I am on offense. Hey, John Schneider hasn't been afraid to move hitters up and down the lineup depending on how guys are going. Um, and, you know, at one point, you know, you're back up in the order before you were, you were dropped a bit. Uh, was that a hard sell for you? you know, and, 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 I mean, was it hard for you to accept being moved down in the order? Um, you know, I'm willing to do anything for the team. Um, at the same time, though, I've always known what I'm capable of, and I know what I've done in the past as well. So I uh, can't say I necessarily agree with it, but I'm always, I mean, wherever... I'm putting the lineup. I'm going to show up and ready to play. And I think that can be said from pretty much everybody on our team. So, um, I mean, there was, I was willing to hit wherever, but, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely have a lot of pride in myself and, and, uh, you know, wanted to, to continue to go out there and work hard and play hard for the team and, and do my best. Is it easier to play for a guy who's managed you in the minors and has known you for so long compared to, you know, uh, being managed by a guy who doesn't know you. Like, I, w- I would think it would be easier because, you know, you spend a lot of time with your coaches and the minors and all that. But at the same time, the relationship has to change a little bit, right, once you're a major league manager and a major league player. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, baseball mood swings in a clubhouse are, are uh, a lot. Um, being around each other every day, so many ups and downs, you know. So, I mean, really, relationships are so fluid. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I'm sure it helps a little bit having somebody that has seen me play a lot, but at the same time, it's a business, um, you know. Um, you got to come to the field ready to play every day. and You know, there shouldn't really be friendships in that locker room in, in that area. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it helps that somebody's seen me um, for a lot of years for sure. Bo, do you, have to th- do you think you have to learn to play under pressure like september is a lot of pressure for you to go out and perform at the highest level now you're hitting third do you think you have to learn to do that or is it just something that sort of falls in place and you go out and try and do your best um i think that yeah i mean i think there's something to be said about being able to slow the game down when when the games matter a little bit more the heartbeat's going um i think everybody deals with nerves and anxiety and things like that in big moments but I think just some people can can slow it down a little bit better. So, yeah, I think it's something you can learn for sure um, just with experience and, and trying to slow the game down, just like, just like I guess, just making it like any other game. You know, I think Jays fans kind of look at you and, and Vladdy to a certain degree as almost as the sons that they're seeing kind of grow up right in front of them. And, I mean, as a parent, I can tell you, we're not always patient with our kids. And I know it's telling Kevin the other day, you know, I bet 80% of the calls or texts we get post-game or we get on when we're on this show are about you and Vladdy. Mm-hmm. Um, good and, you know, and bad, critical, but supportive. So people obviously care. Uh, and there are people who've said that at times this year you haven't looked as happy as you were last year. Do you, like, is that is that just us looking for stuff and paying too much attention to, quote-unquote, Bo being Bo? Or has it been a, has it been a tough year for you? 
I mean, yeah, definitely. I think it's been a tough year. You know, I think uh, I had a lot of expectation coming this year for myself, and things didn't go well off the bat. Um, and so, you know, that's tough to deal with. But I think uh, I put my focus on coming to the field every day and giving my best effort and continue to work hard, and realizing that I had a lot of time in front of me. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to – Sorry, somebody's knocking on my hotel room door. Um, yeah, but no, I'm just trying to show up and uh, give my best every day. But I think uh, for me, I just had everything in front of me and wanted to finish the season strong. Wanted to put myself in a good position in September. We're gonna let October, you. Hopefully. We're gonna let you go get the door. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks, Thanks for this. Good luck. All right. All right. Thank you. Take care. Probably room service. Sure. Why May, not? Made eleven forty-one Eastern. Oh, you're Boba Shet. Boba Shet joining us on Blair and Barker. Uh, it, interesting answers. I mean, he's, you know, Bo is, um, there's a weariness to him. I, I've, I've made this point. And I, I think people want Bo and Vladdy to be successful because this is, we really haven't had this experience in Toronto with baseball in recent years. Like the 2015, 2016 teams were all a bunch of guys who were thrown together. And they were, and I'm not taking anything away from them, but they were a bunch of veteran guys thrown together and they kind of just happened organically. This is an organizational blueprint. This mm-hmm. is the result of a lot of planning and a lot of thinking. And and we've grown up with these guys. We've, Hey, we've grown up with Vladdy being the fat dude worried about his worried yeah. about his weight. You know, we've grown up with Bo learning to play shortstop, wondering whether or not he's going to be an everyday shortstop. I, I, I just think that this year, because the whole road warrior COVID thing is gone. The spotlight has really, really been on, on, on Bo and Vladdy. And I mean, you know, I'm not lying. You know that, uh, God, Bo doesn't, Bo puts the home run jacket on and doesn't wear it to the end of the dugout. It's like there's a clubhouse crisis because Bo hates the the home run jacket. People focus on these guys, you know, Vladdy's scuffling, Vladdy's laughing in the dugout. Can't do that. It's, it's, it, it it gets to a point where it's got to be over. I understand it, but it's got to be overwhelming. Like sometimes it's overwhelming for, for us to talk about it. I can't imagine what it must be like for those guys. Cause even if they, they shut off social media, they still hear it. You know, they hear it. Yeah, I think so. Well, I, I think they want to be the best players in baseball. I don't think there's any question about that. They will tell you, you know, I've asked. Where do you want to be in your career? I want to be the best player at my position in baseball. Oh, both pretty clear. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's a lot that comes with that on and off the field. And I do think Chapman has helped a lot over there. Yes. A, sort of a calming figure of it's okay to make a mistake. I've made mistakes, but don't make it again. Like learn from it and try and improve on it and just be out here and try and have fun. The fun question you asked, that's a good question, right? It's, it's, and I, and the pressure question. People ask a, that. There's a people, lot of, people are, my mother says to me, Bo doesn't look like he's having fun anymore. There's now. a lot that goes into that. Like it's, you know, you have more fun when you're having success, when you're doing well, right? You're, you want to smile and you want to be happy for your buddy and you want to help him put the jacket on, which I don't care about. That's why I didn't ask about it. I yeah. could ask him about the jacket, but I don't care enough to ask about it. It's, I have, we have more important things to ask Bo Bichette when we have him on this show. I, it's, it's just, he's a really, really good player. Is he a great player yet? Probably not. But can he be a great player? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing I think if you're a Blue Jays fan, just say it this way. Look at the Pirates. 
<laughs> I mean, I don't want to be down on the Pirates, but they just don't have a ton to look forward to. And you're seeing this team develop and turn into sort of what you want them to turn into right in front of your eyes. Mm-hmm. And as a Jays fan, you could see this for years and years to come. So yeah. enjoy it. Don't try and pick at every little thing that they do wrong. If he throws the ball away like he did the last couple of days, okay, he made a mistake. But listen to him talk about it. Like he knows what he did and how to correct it, and he's going to go to work early and try and fix it. And as a young player, that's all you can do is learn from it, try not to do it again, and go out and dominate. And would they have won these games? Would they have won the doubleheader without him? Offensively, probably not. No. So enjoy it. It's right in front of your face. Yeah, I. Uh, that's that's kind of the approach. That's kind of the approach I've taken with it. Um, but a lot of fans aren't like that. Like they just want to. Oh, here we go. Can we? Our organization, the Blue Jays, win a World Series with Bo playing short. Well, you can now. Like it, it's gotten to the point where he's going to make mistakes. He's a human being. He's not a finished product. Like it, just everything that goes into being a shortstop, yeah. he's trying to figure it out, and he wants to impress everybody. That's you could listen to it in his voice. Yeah, like he's doing all these things obviously for himself and to try and make as much money as possible, but he doesn't also want to go out there and be an embarrassment for his country. I just think for me, if you're a Jays fan, that's kind of cool. It's kind of cool for him to actually come out and say it. And good for him. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. And I also like this take on the club uh, on, on the clubhouse too about the whole. Yeah, you know, there's there's stresses and strains. No like, question. Like I said the, everybody in everybody in Double A is pretty much in the same same category. Now you look at where Biggio, Bichette, and Vladdy were when they were at Double A. Yeah, yeah, one you know, guys obviously is a higher ranked prospect than the other guy, but they haven't made their bones yet in the major leagues. They haven't made money. You know, they've got their signing bonus, but they haven't made the big major league money. Boom, you fast forward three years. Now, all of a sudden, there's some separation, right? Kevin Biggio's not going to be an everyday player. We know that. Vladdy and Bo, maybe a little bit of separation this year, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because of the slow start Bo had. Vladdy has the great MVP caliber year last year. Like, it doesn't all stay together. There are times where all of a sudden, it's like, if you've got, if you've got triplets... And one one of the triplets gets is is really smart, is smarter than the other guys. Like you get separation. It doesn't always go in, in a linear fashion. Vladdy gets more money than Bo now. I'm sure. not saying that's an issue, but that's a sign of, mm-hmm. of 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 the way things happen. And it's it's just not like this thing that just grows at, at one at one for, consistent for me, pace. For me, I think anyway, the issue sometimes that Bo has is more a mental thing. Than it is a physical thing. Yeah. He has all the physical tools that you could want oh, that's, as a young player. That's he swing he took last night on I'm that. I'm talking about Oosh. on the defensive side. We all know what he can do offensively. Yeah. I, I just think it's more of the mental thing. And he was talking about the throws. Like it's not, you know, he can't do it or he doesn't have enough arm strength to get it there. It's about the internal clock and just being able to get it over there when he needs to get it over there in the situation he needs to get it over there in. He's learning all these things on the fly and trying to win a World Series. I, for me, if you're, again, you're a Blue Jays fan, person, be excited about it. Love it. Live it. Be excited for Bo because he's trying hard. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty cool that he came on and actually opened up about it, too. I, uh, m- most baseball players that we have on here don't open up like that. And he did. Uh, it is that time of the show, Barker's Back Lake Bits, where we let you, the listener or the viewer, ask questions of Kevin Barker. DMs are always open. My Twitter handle is SN Jeff Blair. Uh, this is from Sam in Toronto. 
uh, was wondering, looking back on last night's game, uh, why he said, why didn't Mitch White have a shorter leash? I know we talked about this, but I want, I want to go into it a little more. Uh, we have Manoa going and an off day the following day. Why not leave, lean on our relievers instead of letting Mitch White implode in TV? Um, yeah, people have this. It's amazing to me that we can spend as much time or that you can spend as much time as you do talking about. You've got to keep in mind that you're, you know, you're planning ahead. You're looking for three pocket, you know, a pocket of three hitters to use these pitchers to. I mean, some of the stuff is scripted out. Some of it has gotten yet people always are in, people are, are in such a hurry at times to see a pitcher come out. Like, mm-hmm. I, again, I use, you know, I look at Mitch White. First inning, three up, three down. Second inning, no bueno, right? And, but I've got to, I've got to, Kevin, I've got to have confidence that you can get eight and nine out if you're a major league. I just don't know when you would have taken him out. You taking him out after he throws the three, one slider and walks nine hole hitters. That's when you're taking him out. It's three, nothing, three, nothing. First and second. Is that when you want him to take him out? Who you bring in? Julian Merriweather? Like I, is that the guy you're having tons of faith in pop? Like, I just don't know that time of the game when you want your options a manager either, to come out and take a guy here's, out. It's here's what it was going to be. Nothing. You're either going to go with Mitch White, Kikuchi, or Merriweather. You're not yeah. getting Mesa. You're not getting Richards. You're not getting – so I, I would tell people that those are your options. Those are your options. And the Jays would never come out and say this, but I'm willing to bet that when they sat down and they did the rotation for this series mm-hmm. and they – fiddled things around. He had Gosman and Barrios in the first game, and they got Manoa in the last game. They kind of looked at this game and said, you know, this, is, this may be the game we have to wear. It's not like we're going to punt, but if we're going to lose a game in this four-game series, it might very well be this start. And I, I do People think... People are yelling and screaming for Merriweather and Yusei Kikuchi, and, and I mean, I tell you, you want to use Tim Mesa? I, well... You're not going like to use. You're not going to use Tim Mesa. And, he's, and he, you're after not. yesterday, he's pitched four out of the five yeah. five days. I I just don't know if you have a better option to go to. I maybe, but again, it gets back to the point that you made. It's just one of those games. I guess if you were going to lose one of them, that's the one. Yeah, you're and I lose. still say that John Schneider managed it like a guy who was thinking my team cannot go four for sixteen. Cannot, with runners cannot go four position. for sixteen with runners in scoring position. And 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 that's. I guess I just didn't have that big an I don't issues with a lot of things last night, but the bullpen usage uh, never. Uh, I mean, never. It, I mean, it just it, didn't. It just it, didn't enter. He's going to use. Didn't enter my. He's going to use thinking. the bullpen early in games when he's winning differently than when he loses. Vice versa, at the back end of the at, at the end of the game, when you're li- winning, you're going to use your highest leverage guys. We all know who those guys are. When you're losing, that's when you're bringing in the Yusei Kikuchi's to the bottom of the order. Pete wants to know, Kevin, how much those calling for all those breaking balls in the third was responsible for the meltdown, and wants you to talk about why you know, we we came on the show. We talked about. It. I can't believe you threw a three-one slider. He wants to know why we're on. About that. Why are we on about all the breaking pitches? Well, it's because it's the number nine hole hitter, and they say if you're going to get beat, get beat to with your better pitch. Is it a breaking ball? Now, I, I guess you could argue it might be a slider. I mean, he's four seamer slider heavy guy on the curve, and the changeup is what he sprinkles, but he's not predictable. I mean, he's, he's predictable because those two pitches, the curve and the changeup, are not real good. 
And early in the game, it just looked to me like anyway, the slider was, you'd have a better chance of arm side throwing a hater to the nine hole hitter. That's all. I don't care if he's right-handed. You'd have a better chance of locating that. You could slow it down, try and throw a BP hater. But it's just being, it's the optics of the whole thing with the lead and who you're throwing it to and who's coming up, which is the top of the order. And that's what you're throwing a guy. Who do you blame? I blame the dude throwing it. He, he could shake off. I mean, I, Kirk, you might have put the, the, the push the button, but come on. Like, I, that's for me is the reason. And there has to be a little that moment where, yeah, yeah, I ain't throwing that. Because what do I, if he throws it for a strike, what's he throw it in? Mm. Yeah, throw it again? So you're throwing the number, you're throwing the nine hole hitter, two sliders in a row, up three nothing. After you just walked the eight hole hitter on six pitches, seven pitches. Jason's got a question. I want to get this in before he go. Wants to know why Whit Merrifield plays as much as he does. I think it's matchup and I think it's experience. John Snyder has confidence in him. Other than that, I don't really have an answer for you. I don't know what to tell yep. you. Like, I, I think they got a little revolving door when it comes to second base. They're going to use them the way they feel that that guy matches up against the team that they're about to face. Now, I think for me anyway, you got to have a quick trigger like last night. I'll, don't be afraid to put JBJ in after he got three hits tonight mm-hmm. for pitch hitting against a dude who throws a bazillion who you know with Merrifield's probably not going to have a good chance of hitting it. It was odd because I thought John Schneider managed a really aggressive game and then that doesn't happen. Uh, that is it for us. <clears throat> we will be back on Blue Jays Talk tonight immediately following the game. We will be back tomorrow as well from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590. The fan, as always, if you're listening to us by podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Most importantly, though, have yourself a great rest of the day. Enjoy the baseball game.